0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Rotoviz main feed. I am Stefan Laco, joined today by Matt Wispay. We are excited to be talking a little NFL. We we are usually um, over in college football land at the Rotoviz College Football Podcast, which I do highly recommend. Uh, your boy Matt across the uh, across the phone for me. He is just killing it this year with his picks. So you definitely want to give that a listen, Matt. How you doing? I'm great. It's it's been a
1: busy day NFL wise, so we decided to change gears and uh talk pro for once. It's kinda it's it's an odd place you and I talking about the NFL teams out there.
0: Yeah, well we do we do get some writing in on them and well, I mean, my, my weekly kicker column, I get to talk NFL every week. <laughs> That's gross. Hey, kickers are people too. So gross. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. But hey, we have a lot to get into, so let's not uh fiddle around with uh I was going to say something terrible. I will just move on. A couple of other news items. We're going to focus mainly on the trades that took place today. But but before we do that, on Johnson is sent to the IR. That's brutal. I have so many shares. It is really disappointing. Uh, what does this do for you, for, for Ty Johnson, and uh, maybe even JD McKissick? I mean, I think Ty Johnson gets a bump. I, he's been
1: not amazing when he's been on the field this year, but he's been reasonable enough that with volume comes value and I I would say he's probably the lead candidate to get volume now what I would kind of preface that by saying is I think over the next couple of days they're probably going to bring in a bunch of people for workouts um we're going to get yeah we're going to start seeing that information start to just come out a little bit and like it could be a guy like Jay Ajayi ends up getting signed it could be um they might do a low stakes trade where they pick up somebody like a even like Jordan Wilkinson I don't think he's going to get traded but there's a non-zero chance that a player of that caliber get traded to the team and then Ty Johnson while he would still have um be, lead the team in uh, rush attempts he's probably then becomes less valuable but I would say right. right Ty Johnson would be the guy the immediately uh guy to go after but I would for in this situation the, the best strategy is probably to just keep your eye on all the news. And the moment you start to see a player is rumored to be signing there or there's a extended discussions with a player, then just stash them on your bench if you have
0: the space. That's exactly it. And uh, Patricia has already said they're prepared to go running back by committee. So yeah, I think they'll bring in um, uh, a name, some some jag that can uh, carry the football you know, 8 to 12 times if they need to. I will say uh, waivers have probably already passed in your league. It's uh, Wednesday morning that this is coming out to you. Do go check if J.D. McKissick is out there. Uh, he proved useful for the Seattle Seahawks a couple years ago. Uh, he could be really in, in a PPR format. I think he could really uh, give you some, some value. He's probably not going to uh, win you your league, but definitely with bye weeks coming up, uh, I think he'll be a solid 8 to 15 points a week. I know that's a pretty big range, but uh, I, I think he'll have a pretty high floor in PPR format. So so j- check out McKissick. He could definitely be a Theo Riddick type. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, I remember uh, uh, last year when uh, when Dalvin Cook got injured, or maybe it was the year before that. Um, he's got, been injured so many times. Everyone was trying to figure out which uh, which back to take out of Minnesota, and everyone was like, oh, grab... Latavius Murray or, or whoever I think it was Latavius but ended up being the the third down back that that had the biggest uh role in the team but anyway uh let's move on um, I also saw that Diggs was traded to Seahawks to the Seattle Seahawks which got me very excited as a Seahawks fan uh because I, I thought it was Stefan Diggs it wasn't it was Quandre Diggs a free safety from Detroit but that's still hey uh that's still that's still good for real football it doesn't really matter so much um unless you want to pick up that Seahawks DST uh let's let's Start off with the Sanu trade and then talk a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders after that. But before we do, I want to tell all of you guys about sportsaxios.com. Listen, it is busy this time of year. We got the NBA starting up, baseball's in the World Series. There's just so much going on. It's hard to follow everything. Uh, following the team you love in 2019 can already be time consuming. So trying to fo- follow everything else that happens is impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily ba- basis is is not possible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports. It's the very best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA to the NFL to everything like cricket and ping pong. They have so much content. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple and sign up is free. So go to sports.axios.com. And not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing a meeting link with all your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is a free curated sports content delivered directly to you. So sign up at sports.axios.com. All right, let's get into Mohamed Sanu. He was traded to the New England Patriots for a second round draft pick, which to me <laughs> seemed pretty steep. What, what did you think? What what, are you, what what was your initial thought before you dug into any of the numbers or anything like that? What was your first thought when you heard that Sanu was going to New England?
1: I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised that's a type of target or player they're targeting. But yeah, I, the price tag, when I first saw it, it jumped off the page. It was like, they're willing to pay a second for that for Sanu, but they're not just like throwing out a first round pick for AJ Green instead. But I mean, I guess this is the type of guy that Bill Belichick wants
0: my 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 first thought was Josh Gordon must be much more hurt than I think he is, <laughs> but uh I don't know. I, I was surprised by how much they're willing to give up. I wasn't surprised New England's always trying to to improve their their team. Uh, they don't mind bringing in players and giving them a pretty good workload. So uh let's talk a little bit about uh Sanu, the player. I know you did a little bit of of digging on him what what do you think? So he's got an uh, an average depth of target this year
1: of 6.9 which isn't super um I mean it's not great for fantasy value because it means you're not going to get the you're less likely to get the explosive plays um and it does kind of seem like in his career with Atlanta he was feasting on the shorter yardage um targets rather than downfield whereas he was uh he had over 200 targets from 0 to 15 yards and looks like under 50 targets over 15 yards. So if we're, I mean, if, if we're looking at him as just a player in a vacuum, he's probably not a guy that's going to be explosive enough to give you extreme value, even with the improvement at quarterback. And unfortunately for him, he's kind of going into a situation where there's quite a few players that live in that range. So I don't know how much it immediately is going to make him a fantasy asset, but I would say that he's probably going to be the guy that, angers fantasy owners the most this year because he's going to steal targets away from some other valuable assets.
0: Similar to what he was doing in Atlanta, you might say. Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see. So I checked just before the show and on Yahoo, Sanu is 56% owned as of... Uh, Tuesday. So when waiver is clear, I'm interested to see how much that changes. If for some reason Sanu makes it through waiver wires and and he's still available today, listening on a Wednesday, is he someone that you would recommend people pick up, Um, or is he just uh, a low ceiling, too low of a ceiling to be to be worth adding in in, uh, most fantasy football leagues? Uh,
1: It's it's hard to say. I think honestly, I'd probably still rather have a guy like Philip Dorsett than him. But at the same time, I, I mean, depends on the depth of the league. In a twelve-team league, he's probably worth a spot. But at the same time, how many times are you starting Mohamed Sanu this year? Um, and is it better to use that bench spot on somebody who has some more significant upside? I probably, I in most of my leagues, he's probably a guy I would pass on. But if he's sitting out there after waivers run, and I'm looking down the barrel at some bye week trebles, then he's he's potentially a guy I would look at.
0: Yeah, and you you mentioned Dorsett uh, a minute ago. Uh, let's talk about the impact that this has on the other receivers in New England. Sounds like you're not too worried about Dorsett's role as he is more of that field-stretching type guy. Uh, what do you think about Edelman, even uh, Josh Gordon? I mean, it's speculative. We don't really know how long he's going to be out, but uh, what are some of your thoughts on, on these other receiving weapons for, for New England? I mean honestly I'm not sure any of them takes a hit to their current value. Josh
1: Gordon, I'm he's he's probably only like two more weeks of being injured away from being fringe droppable. He's right. He's only I mean his his average depth of target is is just under 10, so he's a little better at stretching the field. He does always possess that 2013 or 2012, I don't remember what year it was upside that we all remember where he could just blow up any given week but at the same time he was a 15% market share guy that's about the same as dorset dorset is 12.9 yards on average depth of target and at that spot i, I like i said i think i you think you're right in this might be a concern that josh gordon isn't going to be available for them for this run and if they're in a win now mode which they are in every year this might be filling in that role. Right. I think any hope that Nikhil Harry was going to make this late season run for them, come off the IR and make a run for them, this probably crushes some of those hopes. And if you thought Jacoby Myers was going to be a weekly value, he's probably dead. But <laughs> right. I, think, I think the uh, guys that you're you're most concerned about Edelman, I, I maybe a minor drop. It does look like they kind of get targets in the same range, but I think it's hard for me to see Muhammad Sanu usurping the va- or usurping those targets from Edelman. And then Dorsett has a little more of the field stretching ability, so he's unlikely to be affected. Maybe the one guy that feels the biggest hit in this is James White because you don't necessarily have to expo- make it so obvious that you're passing short by just using Sanu in some of the similar depth of target plays that you would um, a James White. And you can leave Michelle on the field. But that's sort of speculative right. as well. It's it's just whether it it would potentially lead to a scheme type change where James White doesn't get brought on the field as much.
0: Yeah, and I'd say we'll have to wait a couple games and just see what the Patriots do. But it's the Patriots, and and they don't let you uh, look at them like that. They're always changing things. I uh, was submitting my do not cut list for week eight for for Rotoviz, and. Uh, last night's draft had Josh Gordon in it because I was like, "Don't cut Josh George, Josh Gordon, especially if you have an IR spot worth holding on to. He's going to be back." And then I saw the trade for Sanu, and I was like, "Well, guess I can uh, delete him from there because to me, he he he's droppable now, especially if he's injured, uh, and even when he comes back, he he wasn't helping you much anyway." And now just one more one more receiver that uh, is going to be siphoning away targets. So uh, let's let's move over to Atlanta. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about what this means for. For the Falcons, I think, uh, I think Julio. You know, Julio's Julio is Julio. He's a beast no matter what. But I don't think it hurts him. Uh, I don't think it hurts him at all. And who I'm really excited about is, is Calvin Ridley. I think he has the potential now to, you know, just seeing a couple more targets could have a pretty big impact. If you look at the vacated targets from Sanu, I mean, he was he was usually in that five to eight range, but he did have one week against Tennessee where he saw 12 targets. So if, if, if Ridley is able to see just a few of those with his uh, deeper average depth of target uh that's that's only going to mean good things and for everyone who's waiting for Austin Hooper to regress back to his normal mediocre self I don't think it's going to happen now this only helps them what what do you think do you think uh that's that's pretty much on on point or or do you have some disagreeing with me Yeah I mean I think I'm I'm with you
1: on that I mean it it is this is good for all of the players that you just mentioned I think Ridley Hooper and Julio are all going to get some type of uptick because Sanu was the one leading wide receivers in snaps and there were a lot of weeks where he was one of the leaders in targets he was either top two or had the one week where he led the team in targets I think this is really valuable for each one of them and Ridley probably does experience the biggest bump but it is it's a slight increase in value to Julio Jones and uh, Hooper Julio Jones right now is only at a 21 percent target share this could push him over that 25 percent threshold that would make him Bring him kind of back into that super duper elite player, and then Austin Hooper's at nineteen percent target share, which is pretty massive for a tight end. So
0: yeah. I'm
1: I like this for almost everyone. Now we just have to hope Matt Ryan isn't substantially injured.
0: Right, they do uh, get Seattle this week, and Seattle has been giving up uh, pretty long uh, plays, pretty Probably deep passes. Uh, so I, I think I think. Well, Julio and Calvin Ridley. Start them both. Uh start them both. I'm excited for, for what they can do. And they're gonna look good doing it. And you know what? You can look good too uh, with Indochino. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. It's that time of year. We got Christmas parties coming up. Maybe you want to get uh get fancy for Halloween. Suit season is upon us, and it's a good thing. We we look good in suits, let's be honest. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure men's brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. And the best part is it's super affordable. Their clothes come in at $400. So it's a great price point. Uh, You can choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package is delivered straight to your door in two weeks. It is super convenient. So start your style upgrade now with $30 off your purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code BLUEWIRE at checkout plus shipping is free. So that's indochino.com, promo code bluewire for $3 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothes that don't fit. All right, let's do it. Let's get into Emmanuel Sanders. I'm here in Denver Broncos country, so everyone is uh is feeling pretty emotional today. Some people are very excited, others are very angry. I don't know. It looks like it looks like the 49ers are, are really trying to go for it this year. Uh, they, they sent two picks, a a third and a fourth for Emmanuel Sanders and they're getting a fifth back as well. Uh, what impact do you think this has on Emmanuel Sanders himself going, uh, from Denver to San Francisco? It's sort of a, it's, it's a tough call on that spot because neither
1: team is exactly the most like pass heavy offense in the NFL. I think, It's kind of hard to say because what I'm hoping this turns into is that the 49ers become a slightly more pass-heavy team. They were nearly five attempts below the league average per game. They're 25th in yards per game. I would like to think that he's going to provide an improvement on that and kind of shift them away from the running attack. And for him, I mean it's an improvement at quarterback i think his um his tar- if he keeps his average depth of target he might actually be a little more efficient with that i think it's a positive for him just because there's a little bit of a void as the wide receiver one on that team even the yeah. top um wide receiver is only at a 15% target share so i i think it's only positive for him and but i also think it's not going to maybe hinder everyone else as much as it might immediately look like
0: yeah, I think there's a world in which this helps George Kittle. I mean, uh, I I had Chris Harris um, from the Harris Football Podcast on on a couple of weeks ago, and and he always talks about crutch arguments, and so I'm going to use one right here, but with with an extra threat on the field in Emmanuel Sanders, someone who um, is fast, is explosive, even after this Achilles injury, um, I, I think it can be a benefit to Kittle. Uh, where he can work the inside of the field a little bit more, and yeah, continue continue to see the uh, the same market share and be more efficient with it. So I'm not too worried about Kittle. The other guys, you were, <laughs> you were dart throwing it anyway with Goodwin, Debo Samuel, and and Dante Pettis. I mean, you never really felt comfortable putting them in your lineup, and even when you did, they they really panned out for you. So I don't think it changes much there. I think all those guys are, you know, droppable in, in in my opinion. You can tell me if you disagree with that. Uh maybe outside of uh, you know, we talk dynasty and Devi leagues, maybe in those deeper formats you you keep one of them. Uh but uh regular twelve team, even in PPR, I, I don't see the need to keep the other wide receivers for for the forty ers Debo is a little bit interesting.
1: I, I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of college, but he he's a little bit interesting. He's been converting his air yards pretty well, and he is the target leader among the receivers currently, so
0: We'll see. Yeah, I know he was, he was dealing with some sort of injury. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure. It, and, and last week's game was just such a slop fest that uh, it, it's hard to really read much out of that anyway. Um, now let's look over to um, the Denver Broncos where again, maybe it's a little bit more exciting from, from their perspective, because all of a sudden you've got more vacated targets. So, courtland sutton was already balling out he was already uh one of the big breakouts uh of the season um i'm assuming that this only helps him but what I'd, i would like to talk uh or who i would like to talk a little bit about is Deshaun hamilton who has been their uh, third receiver behind sanders and sutton he is an interesting prospect he's uh, in his second year and i think he could see uh a lot more targets. I mean, that's not too difficult. He hadn't been getting a whole lot of targets this season yet. Uh, what do you think for these guys and specifically Hamilton? Is he someone that you're, um, again, if he's made it through waiver wires, is he something that you're going to put a claim on? I mean, he, he's definitely
1: the most interesting guy because of the bunch. i I mean, I might throw out trade offers for Cortland Sutton to see what's out there. I might, um, might give a flyer trying to go after Noah Fant just to see if somebody will, um, give up on him for very little, but yeah, Hamilton's the guy that if he's sitting on your waiver wires, he's definitely worth stashing because you don't really know where his volume could end up. There's a chance that he jumps right into the same range where Sanders was. He's Sanders was basically doubling him in targets at this point through the year. Um, and they were, while Sanders was a little more sure handed, they're both kind of in that same, um, Reliability range. So I I would say that it is a positive for Deshaun Hamilton. However, um, I, I am a little bit concerned at how bad that passing attack might end up being without without Sanders, because
0: without him in his career during there, they were about seven points per game worse. Right. Yeah. And the offense has been struggling for the most part of the season anyway. Uh, one of the things I did do when I heard the news is I went over to, to Rotoviz and, and went into the, the Game Splits app, which is a super fun app that is uh, really beneficial. It gives you a lot of useful information very quickly. If you haven't uh, used it, I highly recommend checking it out. Go to Rotoviz and, and try out the apps. Um, you will not be disappointed. But I, I just went ahead and looked at the splits of Hamilton uh, with and without Emmanuel Sanders. And because of Sanders' injuries, there's actually, uh, even though Hamilton's only in his second year, there's there's a fairly decent uh, sample size here. So um, in games with Emmanuel Sanders, Hamilton was only seeing just under four targets per game, and he was only averaging about four PPR points, uh, so not great. But in games where Sanders was out... Hamilton is all the way up to, to just about 12 PPR points and is seeing twice the amount of targets. So, you know, nothing game breaking. But again, a lot of that was as a rookie. Uh, now he has been in uh, the NFL a little bit longer. He's been with the team a lot longer. And now he's going to see a, a definite um, increase in opportunity. So, He's someone who, you know, similar to what I was saying with McKissick, uh, you may not feel like you're going to win the league because you, you got him on your team, but especially with the bye weeks coming up, someone that you can play in like your wide receiver three or your flex spot that you know will give you a pretty solid floor. Uh, that's kind of my take on, on 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 Hamilton and I I do like the uh, the George Fant thing maybe this is or the Noah Fant sorry no. maybe this is George Fant is the left tackle slash third tight end for the Seahawks I am superstar I'm in deep man I, I have real problems um but uh but yeah I think Fant could also see uh an increase in, in in target share too hopefully he can actually do something with it um but Matt is there anything uh anything else we need to talk about before we get out get done with this this uh, bonus episode no, I mean I think we hit all the
1: the biggest things from that team like I said. It, if it's probably worth throwing out a small trade offer on Sutton to see if somebody's willing to um like part with him because they want to get rid of players on the Broncos offense, but at the same time there's also a chance they just hold on tighter. So yeah,
0: right. Yeah. But some players are worth buying on even when they're Breaking out, you know, they, they, if, if someone doesn't think the breakout is as legit as you do, you can still get a good deal on it. But yeah, so uh, Matt, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. So you can find me at Wispy the Kid
1: on Twitter, and uh, you can find my work, um, my writing, over at Rotoviz
0: Yep, and I'm Stay Fun Also do some writing for Rotoviz, and please do check out our college football podcast. Uh, it drops every Friday, unless otherwise, um, and it's also in the main feed here. So so give that a, give that a listen. Let us know what you think. Uh, for, for Matt, I'm Stefan. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again later.